This episode of the Duck Gun Podcast proudly brought to you by Gunner Kennels. Gunner Kennels, the market's only double-walled, roto-molded dog crate, and a five-star crash test-rated kennel. These American-made boxes come with a lifetime warranty, and the guys over at Gunner Kennels have done some crazy testing just to show how strong they really are, like dropping 4,000 pounds on it, hammering it with a 630-pound sled, tossing it off a 200-foot cliff, and shooting it with a 12-gauge at seven paces with no pellet penetration. You're hitting the road with your dog this season. Gunner Kennels is your safest bet. Protect your best friend and protect your investment. Hey guys, I'm Jordan Fromer. I believe in hunting hard, hunting smart, and having a fun time while doing it. And shooting limits? Well, that's just the icing on the cake. I revel in the journey just as much as the successes it brings. From ducks to dogs to decoys and guns, we'll be talking tactics, strategies, and what it takes to get the job done. Load up and take aim. This is the Duck Gun Podcast. What's going on, folks? Thanks for joining me on another episode of the Duck Gun Podcast. On today's episode, we're joined by John Lewis of Cabela's Northern Flights, and we discuss decoy sets, wind socks, A-frames, concealment, and much, much more. Before we jump into the podcast, a quick word from our partners. Hey guys, Tim from HTR here. If you really want to get your group up front and in the action, check out our new HTR A-frame. Hunt anywhere, concealed. It sets up and takes down in less time than it takes to put your waders on. We've developed our own camo patterns for a better hide, with more designs coming. We have you covered from the sides and the top. Oh, and did I mention, our A-frame is only 10 pieces out of the box. Check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and on htrinnovations.com. Hey guys, another great company that we have partnered with is Sportsman Taxidermy. And we had Corey on the podcast not too long ago, so jump back, check that one out. Really great content there. Um, But they do everything from waterfowl, deers, turkey, and they've even done a lion at their shop. It's award-winning taxidermy, and they're out of Belton, Missouri. Um, You can reach them at... 816-331-5171 or email at taxidermy at outlook.com and did I mention if you're not in the area they also do shipping so that's great be sure to check them out guys we'd like to give a big thanks to our partners over at White Rock Decoys be a nomad and get out further with more decoys with their lightweight system of windsocks silhouettes and fully collapsible floater decoys we'd also like to give a big thanks to our partners over at Bailey's Game Calls. These 3D printed plastic calls are made in America, highly customizable and floating. They also have a patent pending on the density of their calls which allows them to mimic wood and acrylic calls. Be sure to check out Bailey's Game Calls for your next duck or goose call. What's going on guys? Thanks for joining me on another episode of the Duck Gun Podcast. I'm Jordan from Duck Gun Chronicles. Got my co-host alongside me, Elliot. Graybeard from Freelance Duck Hunting, and our guest for tonight is John Lewis from Cabela's Northern Flights. How you doing, John? Not too bad. How are you guys doing? Doing great. Yeah, really excited to have you back on. I think that uh, last time you were on, that was one of my favorite um, podcasts awesome. we had. That was a great time. Yeah, I'm glad to be back. Thanks for having me. What what, what do you've got going on lately? What what's your hunting world like? Uh, right now? It hasn't been too crazy yet. Um, I don't like early season. <laughs> we don't do a lot of traveling early just because things can be so unpredictable. Um, 
so we try to stay local. We did an Ontario trip that was early season birds. We had an awesome goose hunt up there, but the ducks just local birds that have been shot at a bunch. Um, but our big ones coming up here in two weeks, I guess. Now we're leaving November 2nd to go to Manitoba for, I think we're going to be out there for 14 days. So um, wow. it's uh, it's going to be an adventure. We've None of us have ever gone there. Um, we always go to North Dakota, usually next week or this week and next week. Um, and every year we're like, we always just miss it miss the epic wave of, of birds coming down so we decided to try manitoba this year and of course it's really cold <laughs> and uh now we're flirting with whether it's gonna freeze before we get there or not so that was the thought behind it was we'll either go late and hit something pretty wild or we're gonna end up in north dakota again so so at what point will you switch the trip like it, you just watch the weather and then yeah so i've been yeah we have we actually rented a place off Airbnb and we have five days before we leave. If we cancel it then, then we're only out like 150 bucks. Um, so I'm watching it like a hawk until, you know, day six. And if, uh, if on day six, it looks like it's going to freeze then we're probably going to pull the plug, but it, it takes a while for that. I mean, it's crazy how long birds will stay in an area. They have food and some open water. I mean, there's enough big water up there that takes a while for it to freeze. And um, that's what we're hoping for. I mean, if we hit it, it should be good, but it'll be an adventure nonetheless. <laughs> We've never been there. So. so what's your plan up there? Is it just to mostly fields? Are you guys freelancing it? What, what's the plan? Yeah, we're completely freelancing it. Uh, I think we got six guys going. Like I said, we rented a house, which is actually pretty luxurious for us. Usually we stay in um, – uh, like a Morton building in North Dakota and a camper that one of our farmer friends has. So we got a house with a shower and like Wi-Fi and stuff, which is pretty wild. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, we're just freelancing it. I mean, we don't really have any uh, connections up there. Um, we're going to go and we're either going to get our butts kicked or, or we're going to figure some stuff out. But that's, I mean, that's what we like to do. Um, it'll be probably mostly fields i'm guessing um i know like uh jake from white rock they went up there a couple years ago and that was a really wet year but uh they had some luck on like some some low ponds on beaver ponds and stuff like that but i think a lot of it'll be i think it's always wet and mucky up there but uh, i think a lot of it'll be um mostly field hunting so all private going, uh... if permission yeah yeah i don't know See, I, I've actually kind of probably been slacking a little bit with the research. I'm not sure. The hard thing with up there is there's not like a mapping system like we have here where you can find landowners. So we're going to go to the courthouse and try and get some tax maps and go in old school like we used to have to do before, you know, Onyx and Scoutlook yeah. and all these other companies came out. So um, I think it's most the hardest part is probably finding the landowner because it's so vast and big big parcels so um you know and same we do the same thing in north dakota uh a lot of it we have hunted some public land in north dakota you can hunt private ground that's not posted with there's like certain variables but even when we do hunt that stuff we always try to find the farmers beforehand um just out of respect and and a lot of times really you meet the farmers and you talk to them and 
they're like, oh, well, I own all this too. What do you want to shoot? <laughs> so it's uh, that happened to us last year. Um, we were out there and we talked to a farmer just to figure out who owned this other ground. And he's like, well, I own all this stuff. If you guys want to hunt that, just go right ahead. And we looked at his map on his wall and it was like all the fields along all the refuges. And we found it like wow. two days before we were leaving. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> but that's just, you know, it's those people that, I mean, they like to talk to people. Um, and that's what we do. We go meet so many awesome people by doing that. So, but yeah, it'll be private. If we find some public that we can hunt, we're going to do it. Um, it'll be a, a learning curve. That's for sure. And, but uh, hopefully it'll be fun regardless. I'm sure we'll, we'll want to, want to beat each other up by the end of the two weeks though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was gonna but. say 14 days that's a long trip I don't think I've ever been on a hunting or a fishing trip I mean even a vacation that's two weeks long is gonna be a you know oh, a yeah. long time to be with even your hunting buddies oh yeah <laughs> especially when you're only sleeping a couple hours a night that uh that gets gets old fast for 14 <laughs> days <laughs> so, you so you hunt, hunt every, every single day, day? uh we'll probably it, it'll really depend what's nice actually about this is if we we have six guys and we're going to have three vehicles so usually when we go to north dakota we only have one vehicle um so we're pro we're hoping that we'll be able to have enough people to rotate so maybe a guy every morning because that's a problem if you go out you know everybody's excited to hunt but you find something you hunt it and then you don't have anything unless you find something that evening. So the plan is to hopefully just rotate through scouters. So every morning we have, you know, maybe five guys hunting and one guy driving around scouting, figuring out what's going on. That way you get more of a chance to hunt. So you're not, you know, hunting one day, then taking the next day to scout, find birds. And at the end of the day, you're hunting seven days where if you just, everybody rotates on, which day they're going to hunt and then scout you may get 10 12 hunts out of it um but you know everybody gets so excited to to hunt which is awesome but really the being able to scout is the only reason you're able to hunt so it'll be nice having three cars we especially not knowing an area we can all go different directions but it's going to be a haul it's 24 hours from where i live to drive out there Hmm. So that is that is quite the drive. Yeah. <laughs> Should Especially be a good one. Fun. Is everybody coming from the same spot or you guys No, we have uh two guys coming from Michigan. Um and then one of my buddies I grew up with, he's actually flying out and renting a car. Um so he got the the good end of the stick cuz he's like, "Well, I was like our gear has to get out there somehow and I'm the lucky guy that gets to drive it out for this year anyways." <laughs> but we're not taking the trailer uh i just don't want to pull that's what's awesome about um we're gonna take all socks and silhouettes and then pack it full and the guys from michigan are gonna bring whatever they can fit in a truck bed so we're literally gonna be hunting out of two trucks but nice that's the great thing about those socks and silhouettes yeah yeah you can fit a lot of them i mean all said and done we'll probably have 30 some do 35 dozen decoys hmm. in the bed of the truck with plus whatever you know else we need for blinds and everything so it's a sweet little setup you can fit a lot in a small area yeah but, 
What are you going to have in the way of floaters, duck floaters? I will probably only take three dozen, two or three dozen. Um, Probably some pintails, mallards. Um, But I will probably – we run a lot of just mixed stuff. Um, We have avians. Um, You know, a lot of that stuff out there, we're going to pretty much pick through everything we have and try to take as many feeders as possible. Uh, We hunt a lot of big water around here, so – you're hunting a lot of loafing birds where they're not really feeding. They're just hanging out. So we have a lot of like preeners and just resters, active, active birds, but out there, I mean, you're hunting feeds. So, um, uh, mm-hmm. doesn't make sense to run three dozen decoys with their heads up when ducks are going there to feed. Um, so probably between the five or six of us of all of our combined, we're going to pull out 95% feeders. Um, that's, what's nice about most of the stuff out there, unless we're hunting a beaver pond is going to be really shallow mm-hmm. so we can run socks and silhouettes and stuff like that right in the, the water. So you think that the, the feeder decoys make that big of a difference that you'd, uh, switch to all feeder decoys opposed to having ones with their heads up? Yes, I flew. So I flew a drone just the other day over like high over, um, some ducks. And there was probably 70 mallards. There was like five with their heads up. Hmm. Like you could only see five or six green heads. The rest of them were fully submerged heads under the water. (laughs) So, I mean, that's a spot they're feeding. They're not resting. Hmm. So, and that was, I mean, like they came out of the grass and we're in a pretty open pool. But, you know, like when we hunt on the big lake, big water it's different they're not going there to feed as much as they are just to relax and rest through the midday um i mean if you look at birds same with geese if you look at birds really the only time all of their heads are going to be up is right when they land or when they're getting ready to leave or moving so i'd rather replicate when birds are feeding they're comfortable or sleeping i think that's why sleeper shells work so well for geese i mean you hunt geese on ice and water, they suck right into those sleepers. That's yeah, a, most people I don't think run that many feeder. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, it's, most come with that. I'm thinking of like they'll come with like four and two feeders or yep. or no feeders. <laughs> yep, exactly. That's what I mean. We're hunting the spot we're hunting tomorrow. Um, we have like three or four guys going and <laughs> like just bring whatever you have for feeders because same thing. I think GHG makes some just full feeder packs. Um, but yeah, like you said, most of them come with, you know, one or two, maybe stretch neck feeders and then active and resters swimmers. Um, Mm -hmm. so that's, we'll toy with it. I mean, it, it makes sense in my mind. Yeah, Yeah. definitely an interesting thought. I've never tried it myself, but (laughs) I might give it a go too. Yeah. Maybe just invent full feeder packs, start selling full (laughs) feeder packs, but like I said, it's it's all all relevant to what you're hunting. Um, I saw ducks with their faces buried under the water, so that's why I want to re- replicate when we try to shoot them. Mm-hmm. Now, will you guys have the uh, mallard wind socks with you as well, or just canvas? <laughs> yeah, we're actually going to stop. We drive right through uh, Minnesota where Jake lives, so I called him and asked him if I could grab a couple bags of mallard socks to go up there. Um, like it. And I don't know enough about it to be confident in exactly how I'm saying birds are going to be up there. But like from what I've seen with them hunting, like you 
Ken Hunt strictly mallard feeds. You know, um, a lot of times we're hunting goose and duck feeds or running goose spreads to kill ducks, which I'm sure will work. But uh, I wanted that option to just, if we find a bunch of mallards and no geese around, which I don't think is necessarily going to happen, I want to have the option to just run a big spread of mallards. Mm-hmm. So on the I'm I'm using the mallard socks for the first time this year, and I haven't I've had one opportunity to try them a little bit. Where we had a we had a flood come in, and so we were hunting this basically this farmer had just mowed down this kind of grass stuff. It wasn't really um, crop or anything, but the ducks had been in there like crazy, and it was about ankle deep water. And so I was using about three or four dozen of those socks, but there was no wind at all. Mm-hmm. And I started the first several bunch of ducks weren't coming in. And I started to get really nervous that the socks with the no wind was really hampering it. And I just haven't used socks enough. I know with snows, it makes a big difference. What, what is your experience and thoughts about how much wind do you have to need? Do you need in order to feel comfortable using those mallard socks? I haven't hunted over the mallard socks much at all. Um, I know we've killed geese with no wind over the Canada socks. Um, but I think the ideal wind speed to run them is probably anything over five, like 10 mile an hour is, is my favorite. seems like if it gets really high, you get that rapid dance. Not, it's not as bad as some like other ones where they don't have the support that keeps the dancing down to a minimum. But, Uh um, from my experience, Canada's don't like a lot of movement like a snow goose would or something, you know, like they don't like that rapid fast movement cause that's not how they feed. Um, so like once you get over 20 miles an hour, 15 miles an hour, I don't like that bounce, like real fast, rapid bouncing. Um, not saying it doesn't work, but same reason why if you have spinners on when Canada's are coming, they hate it. They just don't, for some reason, they don't like that really fast. And it could be different with lessers, you know, like smaller geese, they feed more like snows, but, our big yeah. geese that we're hunting, they're kind of slow and lazy. They're not moving around a bunch. Yeah. I need, I need to talk to Jake more about that too. I just have never used these mallard socks. So mm-hmm. I don't remember who we talked about it with, but sometimes like with decoys and everything, what looks the best to you is what you want, but it's not necessarily what it looks best yeah. to the ducks. So putting those, those socks out, they looked a little awkward just because I was unaccustomed to them. Yeah. Um, and then after a while, it's like, yeah, I, I like how they look, but it's just, it looks different. And so there was no wind at all. The birds were stopping short and not coming in. So we tried pulling them and it didn't make any difference at all mm-hmm. um, once we pulled them. But that was one of the first things we tried just because we didn't have any wind at all. So, you know, you're, you're always sitting there scratching your It's like, okay, it's not working. What's the first thing we're going to do? Make sure you're covered. What's the second thing you're going to do? Mess with the decoys, you know? Yeah, yeah. Pull the uh, I'm really excited to use those a lot more. We've got a lot of flooded corn around here this year. And I'm going to try it in real shallow flooded corn, but mm-hmm. I just need to get more. Uh, I'd like to pick Jake's brain a little bit more about them. Yeah. Yeah. And I know, you know, they hunt a lot of same with you guys. You got a lot of sandbars and stuff and that's what's I mean, worth their weight in gold for that stuff. Yeah. Cause you can pack so many of them and when you're hunting a lot of that stuff, you're, you're hunting migrators, migrating birds and it's big spreads. You got to have it, but to get, you know, full bodies and stuff out there is impossible if you're running a smaller boat or you're just, you know, trying to be efficient with your trips. Um, yeah. That's... Well, we, we, we hunt ice shelves when we do that a lot mm-hmm. too. So now it's like, okay, now we need a drill of some kind because 
<laughs> yeah. How are you going to get those down in yeah. ice? You know, so we're already talking about, you know, what kind of drills we need to yeah. drill it down in. <laughs> we're going to use yeah. those things. I guarantee it. If the ice or not, we're going to figure yeah. out a way to do yeah. it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You yeah, almost just problems with it. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely uh, takes some, some creativity, <laughs> but it's, yeah. they work when you get them set up right and the conditions are right. That's for sure. We've had good yeah. luck with them. I mean, and, and I don't, I'm not, I don't consider myself like strictly one thing or another. I'm a situational hunter. Um, it's kind of what I like to call myself just because if something works, I'm going to use it. If something else is going to work better, I'm going to use that. I'm not saying that's the only way to do it. Um, I use what I feel is going to work best in, in each situation. I mean, you see us hunt over full bodies. You see us hunt over socks, silhouettes, out of A-frames, out of layout blinds. It's just all depends on the situation we're handed. And I think that's the biggest thing with waterfowl hunting in general is it's all any type of hunting is you got to take your situation into consideration and, and you know, see what makes the most sense. Um, and that's what we've had the best luck with. Yeah. Awesome. I'm actually running some of those one socks this year as well. And I think I'm going to get my first chance this week to give them a shot. And, uh, <laughs> one thing I kind of wanted to do is try just wind socks. Um, almost like a, a challenge for myself to see how well they work. Um, you know, mm -hmm. and, I, and I think, I think, you know, that they'll work fine. Just wind socks. If you're in the right spot, um, putting them yep. out there and you'll be good to yep. go. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing, too. Your spot is, if you can hide and you're where they want to be, it's only going to take you to mess it up, you know? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. I mean, if you're hunting a spot where birds are going, that's that's the number one key. And then I'd say 90% of hunts are messed up because they see you, mm -hmm. not because of your decoys. Um, yeah. That would be, you know, my thoughts on it. They're... If, if you're where they want to be, they're going to be there. They were there for a week straight. They're going to come there again. So, yeah, I think a lot of it too is overcalling. I mean, that's something that we catch ourselves doing all the time too. Um, you know, we call way too much and birds don't, I mean, yeah, they make noise, but they're especially ducks. You know, you see guys, the first time they see ducks, they just start hammering on their calls. <laughs> ducks yeah. aren't vocal like that all the time. I mean, you're not in Arkansas trying to pull them down through the treetop. You're, you know, they see you. If they're going there, they're going to go there. They don't make that much sound. Yeah. But, yeah, know. that screaming, it, man, it gets on my nerves. It's uh -huh. like, because you get in a marsh that you, even if you're like two, 300 yards from the next group, if there's five or six groups in the marsh and every one of them are screaming and most of them are not concealed enough, well, there goes your day. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yep, absolutely. Because they're gonna leave the old pool. Yeah, yeah, they're not dumb. <laughs> it's that incessant screaming, like like constant screaming. We had a guy our last hunt that there was multiple times they shot up, uh, they shot, and three seconds later they're screaming on the call. I was like, you just unloaded your gun. <laughs> Nothing's coming in yeah. in the next thirty seconds. Quit calling. Yeah, yeah. It's called yeah. a hell call, Elliot. Jeez. But. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. You guys have any trips planned for this year or just fairly local stuff? Um, I'm going to Kansas. I'm gonna visit some guy 
over there. <laughs> yeah, I got him coming down here. I talked him into coming down and staying at the house in mid mid November, or hold on, mid December, early December. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that'd be fun, actually, uh, going somewhere where there's a lot of birds. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, Central. We're we're we're, and... we're heading in, we're heading out western Kansas a lot more this year than we have previous years. We always take a few trips, but we've been going a lot and mm-hmm. um normally we'll take one trip where we go to either nebraska or or someplace like that but we're just having so much success out where we've been going that we're just like we're all in we're just going back and is back that and uh back. missouri river uh no we're out it's out farther okay central kansas okay i i live right up against the missouri river. oh okay so that's kind of okay that's my home that's where my local hunting where i don't have to travel is yeah awesome we don't actually hunt the Missouri River hardly ever. I've only hunted it once. It's kind of a scary beast, but um, yeah, this part it's real channelized and it's real fast and and but we hunt the Kansas River a lot. Okay, a lot shallower, a lot yeah. easier to navigate. Yeah, yeah. I'm hoping that we can get on the rivers more this year. Last year it was like got so cold so fast, and before you could the the before the birds were even using them, it was like giant ice chunks floating down and i don't mess with that <laughs> but and that's how the missouri gets here yeah here. that's how it gets and the the thing we fight with here too is like uh we have you know glacier lakes and it takes a lot to make them things freeze um, mm. you know the, they fly the rivers and stuff as pretty much their highways for migration but um like seneca and you know cayuga and like these big um lakes it they're very deep i mean 600 plus feet deep so when they start churning they hold their temperature pretty good and it takes a lot for them to freeze mm-hmm. so you don't mean you need many of those for the mallards just to stick tight no it, they'll they'll weather out some storms if they got places to feed and mm-hmm. open water it's uh they're pretty pretty incredible yeah, when you guys are getting totally frozen and your rivers are like that, that's when our Kansas River is at its best because it mm. freezes all up and down the river, but the birds keep holes open just yeah. every mile or so. I mean, uh, people get kind of annoyed when they see my videos with us. Sometimes we'll bust them off a roost um, and go in and set up, but they don't understand. There's like a roost every mile. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's they just go, even when you bust them up, a lot of times they go a mile down. A you mile, can see exactly yeah. where they go. Yeah. I mean, it, it's such an effective way to to hunt, but it's hard because you uh, the river's shallow, so even boat and, and frozen in most places, so you can't boat in. You have to be able to get permission, then you have to be willing to, you know, can Talk I get out on the ice? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's always. But scary. it's real rewarding. Yeah, and, yeah. and it's scary, a little scary too. But. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but that's but you know, that's what a lot of people. That's, that's why you get good hunts out of that because a lot of people don't want to go through all that to kill. Yeah. You know, geese or whatever ducks. Um, yeah it's that's what we i mean i just talked to we're trying our opener so we're bouncing around trying last year i mean we don't have a whole lot of private marshes and stuff we hunt uh for early season so i was trying to find a couple and uh one of them actually backs up to a lot of the public ground that we hunt and i talked to the guy and he's like oh i'm leasing it for a 100 bucks a day per person per gun um, mm. and i was like well we're not going to pay to do that but we do hunt the public. And I told Cody, I'm like, I'm like really excited about that because all that means is those birds are going to get shot at every day. And you know where they're going to go is 
the spots that we got to walk a mile into that no one else is going to do. So yeah. I'm excited that he's doing that. But, you know, we run into that a lot more than used to. He's paying to hunt and mm-hmm. we don't we don't like to do that. Not saying that we're cheap, but, you know, we uh, a lot of the times I feel like if I if you offer it, then, you know, the guy that doesn't have the money to do that. And then when he goes and asks permission next time, he's going to they're going to want money for it. And you're kind of knocking people down from being able to just have good relationships with farmers and and you know take care of their ground without paying for it um and i just i don't know i don't like paying for it i'd rather just be respectful and have just as much chance that somebody else can hunt it as i do yeah i think all around leasing and that kind of stuff is bad for the the industry bad for hunting makes it harder for people to get out there it's already hard enough to get permission it makes it even harder and uh you know with you know hunting numbers not necessarily growing um you know it's it's just not helpful yeah i see it both ways um you know there's i don't think there's anything wrong with it i mean there's a lot of people that don't want to fight the crowds they don't want to do that and you know it's it's i i'm not saying that it's wrong to lease anything if that's what works best for you then great um i just me personally i like knowing that anybody else can if they put in as much work, they have the same opportunity as me. Um, I know a lot of people that lease stuff because they only get to hunt, you know, weekends and they don't want to get beat to a field and they don't want to get beat to the marsh. And I can, I can agree with that a hundred percent and understand it. I'm really biased because I can do it any day of the week. (laughs) So I have the luxury of, of going out and spending extra time to find the different places where if uh, dad wants to take his son out and he gets, you know, beat to a marsh and his kid's 13 years old and you know you run into other hunters there and he doesn't get to hunt he got up at four o'clock to go hunt and his chance of getting into hunting is probably going down fast because <laughs> he didn't yeah. get to hunt and you know where if they have a lease and he can take them out so i see i mean there's benefits to to both sides um yeah i definitely can respect both points of view i, I just yeah. get frustrated from time to time when you yeah when you go oh, out yeah. there and ask and it's just knows or do you want to lease and <laughs> mm-hmm. or i grew up back in pennsylvania um we i remember one year we had to have knocked on a hundred doors i mean it was insane and no 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 we never i mean we had my grandparents had a farm that i grew up hunting which was very fortunate for but it was and then we had like three other spots and where we had the river and stuff like that but most of the birds we hunted were all traffic birds i mean we had a couple roosts that we'd set up in between and just do our best to kill kill birds just because we couldn't go where they wanted to be it was really difficult to get permission so it uh i've seen kind of everything you know here it's you know it's mixture you get a lot of no's but you get a yes here and there and um, out in the Midwest, it's just finding the person, sitting down, talking to them, and most of them will like, and if you don't tear up their field, but then it's getting to the fields because that's always so wet and nasty. Um, that's kind of why we started doing a lot more of the mobile hunting style, is being able to huck stuff out into the field. Um, so, um, I'm curious about 
your hunt trip and how you're going to approach it as far as videoing. Um, do you have a game plan going in or, or what, I mean, obviously I wouldn't think you'd, you would record every single day or maybe you will. What, what's your plan as far as videos for that trip? Uh, well, we'll be out there two weeks. So most hopefully, um, we'll have an episode. I don't even, let me pull up a calendar to answer you right here. So we'll have an episode that comes out November or okay. So yeah, the 29th is this week's episode. And then we'll have another episode that comes out November 5th, which will probably be something local. And then the next couple episodes will all be from Manitoba. Um, so we'll be, we'll be editing them while we're out there. Um, we'll video every single day. Um, we probably won't, I mean, 14 days is a lot of video. So, uh, like I know North Dakota and stuff, we don't show everything just cause it's way mm -hmm. too much to, uh, to go through, put together and get out. But I, I'm, I'm hoping that we'll have, you know, four episodes from at least four, maybe five episodes from Manitoba, really showing everything from start to finish. Um, so what will the episodes show the whole journey of the trip as well? Mm -hmm. Like yeah, driving and trying to yeah. just encompass the whole experience. Yeah, I think, and I mean, we like to get as much uh, feedback from people as possible, what they want to see, because I feel like sometimes we have a hard time um, thinking of new, interesting stuff uh, that people may want to see. But I know when I watch stuff, I, I enjoy the uh, just the the lifestyle of it as much as the hunting side mm -hmm. of it. So yeah, we'll, it'll be, um, uh, the trip out, you know, scouting, um, as much information as we, we can possibly get out there and, and, uh, really just try to make people feel like they're there with us as much as possible. Um, so yeah, I mean, if there is anybody listening that wants to see something in particular, just shoot us a message and let us know, because that's what we're, we're trying to reach is, is what people want to see. Um, I don't think we do a bad job of it, but when you're doing, uh, episode every single week, it kind of starts to get hard to think of, of new stuff. Um, and we have, you know, a lot of different viewers from different backgrounds and different, uh, experience levels. Um, I know sometimes I run into not thinking of what I would have thought about when I was first starting. And I kind of overlook a lot of that stuff that to me is just common knowledge because we've been doing it for so long but to guys that are trying to learn and get into it they it they may not know that so um i guess one thing uh you know kind of along with that question hitting on something you said just uh, a little bit ago um would what would be cool to see in your videos or i guess even now you could give us a few tips but you're saying you're kind of be you're trying to be as mobile as possible so what exactly do you do to increase your mobility? As far as getting out into the fields or just being able to go anywhere? I Like what our setup's looking like when we're mobile? Yeah, yeah. So, you're, so how you take everything with you out to the field? Yeah. Um, we utilize sleds a lot. Uh, I have a beaver tail sled that's got a big skirt on it, which really sucks when you're not in water. If you pack that thing full, it is heavy. Um, but uh, yeah, we'll that. Um, like I said, we'll use silhouettes. I got. I think I can fit twelve dozen silhouettes in a bag, 
Um, that's our mobile setup. Uh, if we can run an A-frame, we like to. But if not, I know a lot of the public spots we hunt will literally build a little little blind if we're hunting ducks. Um, layout blind-wise, I run. we run they're the uh, mobile elites that Cabela's sell. Um, they're not going to be your most luxurious combine, but they're low profile. They fold up and you can throw them on your back and they don't weigh anything. I mean, they're that wide. They're perfect square backpack straps. Um, I've got a big... Is that the kind that the lid flips up back over your head or does it have... No, those are the power hunters. So the power hunters are almost like a sleeping bag uh-huh. and it doesn't have opening doors. It's just the lid. Yeah. These are, they, they have door frames but you pop them out so they fold in. They're like kind of more of a flappy door. Um, They've got the mesh face mask, and then um, it folds up into three. Okay. So it's just kind of folds out, pull some straps to tighten it, and then you can fold it up with a stubble on, buckle it, throw it on your back. And it's not like, you know, the older layout blinds where they have like the shoulder strap and then it's hitting you in the butt and you're tripping Mm -hmm. over it yeah it's just (laughs) so these are small and they're 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 not as as you know comfortable as your bigger really framed out um layout blinds but they're low profile which is key and they're easy to pack in um what kind of a-frame do you use we haven't we have a avian zinc avian x1 um there's actually a new one that uh, I wanted to try that um, I'm having a brain fart here. Yeah, but what is It's uh, Heavy Hauler makes one, and it's almost like it's called the Hub Blind. I'm actually pretty interested in that because it's got like a hub, like a ground blind would have, right? It just pops out. Um, mm-hmm. I would say it's kind of similar to like a tangle-free panel blind, but probably a little yep, lighter. Not as... I don't, I don't know. I've never like held one, but I like that, how compact you could get. I don't know how well stubble would stay on it, but um, I like that it's only a front, which drops half the weight. It folds up all into one thing. And a lot of spots that we hunt, we can tuck in where we have good back cover and just need that front and then something coming over our heads. I mean, the avian A-frame, that's actually what we were doing just about an hour ago for our hunt. When you get that those things stubbled in, it is beautiful. I mean, you disappear. Uh, a lot mm-hmm. of marshes and stuff we hunt. You, there is no way I can't see the blind half the time. So I mean, it's when you stubble them in right there, awesome. I've been using the HTR A frame blind a lot here lately. I'm not biased at all, <laughs> but, uh, but I think it's pretty cool. Uh, is so it? Any, yeah, yeah. How heavy is it when you break it down? It's actually uh, pretty light because it's fully made out of aluminum. Um, so it's just, I mean, you break it down into six pieces and then you got the, the fabric cloth. Um, mm-hmm. And it's it's just pretty light. How many guys can you hunt out of it? Um, you can fit four in it. Um, cool. But, I mean, we've hunted four out of it and that's fine, but it's more comfortable like if you just want to mm-hmm. hunt three out of it. Yeah. I'm sure most blinds are like, that. it gives you a little bit more space, but if yeah. you, you know shoulder to shoulder it's fine we've hunted four out of that and done yeah fine too yeah we've hunted out that one um alton makes one that's pretty similar that's what we hunted out of uh we hunted out of them in canada and they were good blinds 
Um, what I would like to toy with more, especially for some of our marsh setups, is uh, fast strikes. Um, I don't know if if you guys have ever used any of them, but that concept is really interesting to me, um, just because it seems so simple and light and easy to pack in. Uh, packing that A-frame in when you're walking, you know, three quarters of a mile is probably one of the most miserable things in the world. <laughs> then once you get out there and you you're you know golden yeah. with your hide it makes it worth it yeah i love hunting out of a-frames it's just like uh when you compare it to laying out i know a lot of people want to lay out uh in fields and stuff but man i'd i'd rather hunt an a-frame any day of the week it's just yeah. it's way more comfortable i feel like you're more accurate standing up and shooting mm-hmm. it's just um Have you... more comfortable than laying down I don't know. I feel like it's more, I just, I'd rather sit like on a marsh stool sitting there. It's not uncomfortable at all. And it's just, I I think it's more comfortable to shoot out of an A-frame standing up than popping out of a layout. For sure. Um, It's hard coming out of layout blind. It's a different game shooting wise. Oh yeah. Yep. Um, Do you, have you messed with running them in fields? Like right in the middle of a field? Yeah. Not not without uh, cover around. Like, fence rows and ditches and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, or like if they got a slough with a bunch of grass mm-hmm. that's grown up yeah. from flooding or something like that. We uh, uh we've always wanted to do it and we every time we talk or just cuz we're <laughs> like it shouldn't that should not work. I've like, I've seen it work. And, and we I did it in Ontario it and it worked, like it worked for us. I mean, granted we're north, but um you know, it's definitely something that we're going to try because if I never had layout blind again, I would be more than happy like to hunt out an A-frame every single day because I hate stumbling layout lines. (laughs) But um, yeah, I mean, in Ontario it worked. And and like I said, I'm a situational hunter, but I'm definitely going to try it more because every time we just talk ourselves out of it. And then that's how those guys hunt up there. That's They haven't hunted out of a layout line in two years. And I could not say, I mean, we ran 15 dozen silhouettes and an A-frame in the middle of a like, grass field there was no hide like nothing so we just put a big brush pile in the middle and birds finished and worked just like they would overlap was it a grass field you said like yeah green grass like a, it was a it was a regrown field was it green or <laughs> yeah it was green oh wow yeah about three inch tall grass and we slapped that thing right in the middle of it and it looked ridiculous but we <laughs> killed our geese and you know that's awesome. 20 geese decoyed. Perfect. Fine. They did not care. And they were saying a lot of it is, um, you know, is that obviously the a frame is getting it. If they can't see down into it, then they never seem like they have an issue. Um, they also said that they've had a lot better success running two. They felt like running one was made it more sketchy, but with two, it was I mean, it's bigger and more obvious, but more natural. They had better luck. So even if they're hunting three guys, they, they'll run two of them just hmm. to have that that bigger space. So I'm not saying it works all the time, but when we did it, it worked for us. So um, we have never, I've never ever used an A-frame or even thought about it until recently do, do any of these makers make an a-frame that can be packed in that's not check out fast strike that's what i was uh talking about so f- i don't know if you have you seen the fast strike lines no so they're 
I've never used them. I've seen people use them and I've always wanted to get one. I haven't yet, but it's pretty much a plastic um, bar and like roto mold, pretty much like a cooler beer or kayak. And you can fold it up and then you can put, uh, it's got, it has stakes on it, but you can put like extra on there. And it's just got a bungee and like you can put grass in it and it just holds it there. And you can grow it out however you want. It's got roof adapters. So they're like 45 degrees. So you can run stuff up and over. And they're, they're sweet looking. I mean, and that would be what I would look into if I was packing something in. We're just so consumed with like our layout boats um, and the mm-hmm. marshes that we're hunting in because I just, I'm to the point where if I don't have something covering my head, I feel like I can't get mallards yeah. to finish. Yeah. So like we've got this place this weekend and there's a bunch of mallards in there and there's no way that we can, there's no, we can't just paddle into it. So we're actually going to strap our layout boats onto deer carts mm-hmm. and portage them like that. Just, just for the hide alone. I mean, once we get in there, we'll be a lot more, uh, moverable, maneuverable because it's a pretty big pool. But it's just like the thought of going in there and sitting in the cattails on buckets or something. I just can't stand. I the hate thought of that. Even cattails the, without any sort of cover. Yeah, and yeah. that's what it would be. So it's like, man, as much work as we're going into to carton these boats in, I'm sure we could carton a frame in. <laughs> yeah, I would <laughs> you know? check them out. I, I like I said, I haven't hunted on them, but that's like if I was looking for a mobile way to get in somewhere and hide, that's what I would. Yeah, well, I know like Jordan was saying that HTRs is pretty light. Hope oh, looks like we lost Elliot. I think we may have to There's, add something to our Yeah. To they're our nice. Equipment. They're nice to have for the situations. I mean, we don't use them all the time, but when we can, it is you just the confidence you have when that thing is stubbled right that birds will not yeah. be able to see you is worth its weight in gold. Yeah. I mean, that is like tomorrow where we hunt, there's no overhead it's kind of like it's a it's a big marsh but there's no overhead cover i mean you may get when those birds are in there the fur the first week your shots being able to hide in the in the grass and whatnot but you don't have have anything overhead and that's what screws you it's not when yeah. they're coming in low and you can yeah. hide and you got stuff in yeah. front of you it's mm-hmm. when they get right over top and they look down and then you're screwed four, four dudes sitting there with guns like yeah <laughs> yeah and, you know, like we, we do a lot of drone footage and that just opens up your eyes to so much, um, yeah. being able to see, you know, and obviously birds see differently and whatnot, but just being able to see what you look like from above is mm-hmm. just crazy. Like you may think that you're hitting so well and then you get that thing over you and you're like, wow, like yeah. no wonder because there's three guys sitting there and it is more than obvious. So when, when we build a blind and that we take these grass, not these grass, these mesh nets with us, we typically have, and anytime we build a blind, we put a lot more work into the top than mm-hmm. we do the front. Yeah. Especially from mallards. Well, I, I would rather have no front yep. than no top. Yeah. But most people it's like they put in front of them and that's it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and it just doesn't seem to work. No, <laughs> no, no. That's, that's the thing. If they can see it, you ain't going to kill them. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. It's like yeah. uh yeah. It's like uh what's his name? From Ducklander calls. He said uh one thing I like what he said Bobby Hayes. Bobby Hayes, yeah, for, about um your hide and stuff. He says everybody is a slayer for the 
first 30 minutes of light because mm -hmm. you're hidden by the darkness. <laughs> but yep. after that, that's when it separates the people who know how to have a good oh, yeah. hide and still kill the ducks. Yep, opposed to the people that sure. are bucket squatters, as Elliot likes to call them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I'll tell you, these prairie marshes, bucket squatters are the ultimate enemy because you get out there, you know, you get out in the marsh, you're in a layout boat and here, here you can hear the sound, the sloshing through the marsh. And I've, I've seen, I've seen these bucket squatters and I used to be one and I know that I'm not trying to be too disparaging, but in my own personal <laughs> experience, um, I've seen guys come out in a bucket, put their spinner like 45 yards away from them get clear back because they can't get ahead and, and their decoying shots are trying to kill birds at 45 that's mm. like shot number one because they have no chance you've got no yep. if you're gonna, gonna sit on a bucket and so these some of these guys will do it without even uh, a lot of cattails just like sit right out in the open you know and it's like their their idea of a decoy is is 45 yards is shot number one you know <laughs> it's like, I don't even want to shoot a bird if it's 45 yards. <laughs> and those guys, you watch those guys long enough. It's like, oh, there goes that bird sprayed over there. Yeah. That bird's going down over there. And they're not trying to get any of them, you know? Yeah. Yeah, because they got to like, walk out there to get them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a hike mm -hmm. just to get to your spinner. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's where uh, I'm glad I have a dog. I don't know how I hunted before I had dogs. I mean, yeah. it is like we hunted the other day and. We shot, I think we only shot like six ducks. We would have only found one if we didn't have a dog. Just because it's such a small spot and it's tall grass. And they, mm. if you don't stone them dead, they hit that water and they just whoosh, gone. But yeah, without yeah. a dog, we would have been. We had the trouble. same thing Saturday. But yeah. Yeah. So before you head out, John, let us know a little bit what you got planned for the rest of the season. And then right after that, let everyone know where they can find you on uh, yeah. social media. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I actually had my buddy ask me that just the other day what I had planned for the rest of the season. And uh, I told him I got Manitoba pretty much like a gypsy. Um, I'm going to go. <laughs> I'm going to go wherever. Um, I think we talked about maybe doing a Wisconsin trip with Jake. Um, proud, we'll definitely do Arkansas, whether we go down – for just snow geese or we go down a little bit earlier. Um, I'll never hunt snow geese anywhere else besides Arkansas. Um, and then maybe Michigan, a lot of New York stuff, Pennsylvania back and forth. I'd love to get out and do, uh, do some sea duck hunting again. Um, it's really all up in the air. So if anybody wants to see something, let us know. We actually did talk about maybe going down the Cheyenne bottoms. I don't um, but if people want to see us go somewhere, we are we are open to it, and we want to go try stuff that everybody else is trying. So, if you want to see it, let us know, and we'll do our best to make it happen. I know we've uh, we've met a lot of people over the last couple of years just by reaching out and and asking us if we want to hunt, and we are more than open to that. And that's how we've made a lot of our best hunting buddies. We're just like everybody else, so we want to do what you guys are doing. So if you have uh, any any uh ideas for us let us know um for videos every monday on the cabela's hunting youtube channel will be an episode and gear review how-to tip um i think we're on our seventh episode sixth or seventh episode this season and we've got 22 total so a lot more to go um 
every Monday there. Usually they're up by 8 a.m. Eastern time. And then uh, social media for me is just Instagram is at jlewis92. And Facebook is just John Lewis. So that's where you can kind of see. I should be more active on there than I am. But <laughs> spend more time driving around looking for ducks than I do punching keys. Well, I spend yeah. a lot of time punching keys, but <laughs> just uh, not on social media as much. But <laughs> but yeah, like I said, if you guys have any anything you want to see, let us know, and we're more than happy to try and try and hit hit on it in the next show or how tos and stuff like that. We're always looking for ideas. Good stuff. Well, if you're ever around in Indiana or want to make a trip out here, I'd be glad to. <laughs> yeah, let us here. know. Let us know. We're more than happy to try new stuff. Like I said, that's. What we love about this is is meeting new people and and you know that's what why we hunt we don't hunt just to kill stuff we hunt to to meet new people and and join new experiences i got actually one kyle is sitting right next to me who i'm hunting with tomorrow and that's how we started hunting together was he just shot actually i think would you comment on on youtube a couple times and we just started hunting together i mean that's how most of our our buddies are so we are open to it. Yeah. So any last words, Elliot? I don't think so. If you do end up making it to the bottoms, uh, give me a holler. I'd be curious just to know when you were there. And, and yeah. sometimes I have some inside information as to which pools <laughs> are good. So yeah, definitely. I, like I said, I'd love to meet up with you guys at some point and get on a show and shoot some ducks and have a good time. Yeah. That'd be cool. So. Awesome. Well, right, I appreciate you guys all. having me again. Yep, we yeah, it was fun coming on as always. Yeah. Anytime you want to, or anytime, we'll we'd be well, glad to have you on again. Yeah, let me know. I'm uh, I'm a crazy, crazy busiest time of the year, but <laughs> as you we kind of took a little bit to get this one lined up, but um, yeah, that's just right, let me know. I'm it. more than happy to come on, <laughs> yes, sir. So, <laughs> all righty, that's all we got tonight, folks. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for uh, coming along, and uh, thanks, John, for joining us. Um, I'm Jordan from Duck Gun Chronicles, Elliot from Freelance Duck Hunting, John from Cabela's Northern Flights, and we'll see you guys next time. And that's a wrap. Thanks again, folks, for joining us on another episode of the podcast. Couldn't do it without you guys. I know I say it all the time, but you guys are awesome. The community for the Duck Gun Podcast is awesome. Um, real quick, before we sign out, make sure you check us out, Fellowship of the Duck Gun, where we got our Facebook group awesome stuff going on there all the time um and then another thing guys the migration report that i'm putting out in my youtube channel with a bunch of the youtubers um that you know is coming out weekly on fridays first one dropped this last friday so be sure to check it out over on the duck gun chronicles youtube page that's all we got for this week guys thanks again and we'll see you guys next time